Welcome to The Social Podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. And hello, welcome to The Social Podcast. I'm your host, Mona Cedillo. Thank you for listening. This is what we call a pre-launch episode. We're going to be introducing you to some of the co-hosts that I'm going to be having on here. You know, there are so many people right now, either on TV, YouTube, podcast, that are spewing words of hate. And so I wanted to be able to have a space where people of reason can come together to have conversations that are going to better ourselves, right? Sometimes I'm going to have people on here that you don't like. Sometimes I'll have people on here that I don't like. The whole point is to have this time to talk about issues, to talk about things that are happening within our communities, around the country, maybe even around the world that affect us. During COVID, I got into a really bad habit of isolating. And so I want to be able to use this platform to to get us connected, to remind us that we are not alone. I also wanted to have this podcast to introduce you to people that are doing good work in the community. I don't want this podcast to be just about me and my opinion. I wanted to be able to have people on here from within the community, from around the country that are living life just like you and me every day. I also want to use this podcast to promote music, local music. Music is my medicine. It is absolutely therapeutic for me. And that being said, let's jump into it. Let's meet our first co-host. She teaches sociology over at CCD. I'm I'm very excited to to welcome Rachel to the podcast. Thanks, Mona. I'm glad to be here. I'm really glad you're here. Um, I'm excited because I I know that we've talked a lot of times in person and in passing, and and you just seem really insightful. You seem like you're very aware of situations, and you see the urgency and the importance of of knowing truth and actually empowering others. I I feel like there is a real urgency. I feel like we're at this point where the sky is falling. Uh, There's a precipice of where we're at in both education and the environment. There's so many intersections. It's crazy. And so I really need an outlet (laughs) to be able to share this information with so that maybe, you know, I'm not telling people what to do in a lot of ways. I am telling people this is the information it bears the conversation. It bears the conversation and in a much more nuanced conversation than what mainstream media has to offer. For me myself, I just feel like that is problematic. And and I'm surprised that there are not a lot of people that are, you know, turning tables about it because I think that for me it's scary and it's not okay that there are businesses, corporations, whose whose main goal is to make a profit, they are the ones who are getting to decide what we know and when we know it. Absolutely. And and I feel like that, that the more voices that we have that are real, real people and speaking real truth, that, you know, a better chance that, you know, at least some of us have with not completely submitting to this crazy machine, you know? Right. Absolutely. And because of all of the systemic nature of mm-hmm. all these processes and this, you know, colonization, white supremacy, all of this is baked into just the United States fabric. There's not a single state that isn't experiencing some sort of battle, some sort of right. 
oppression. I wanted to be able to get people connected. I wanted to be able to bring people forward that, you know, that are, that are making a difference, that they're getting involved in the hopes of not only helping them get support, but knowing that there, there's a really solid good chance that there is at least one or two people out there that are going to listen to the story or listen to the conversation and say, that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And then hear about how this person, what this person did, like how how did they resolve it? How what what did they do to provide a solution? You know, and get ideas, because I think that's a big thing that COVID did is it isolated a lot of people, and we're still kind of isolated. And I think the fact that our our news, in whatever fashion, is filtered so we don't hear everything we don't hear all the stories we're only hearing like i feel like we're only hearing about 10 percent. oh yeah so that's why i you know i wanted to do this was to again to get get people connected to remind people they're not alone and i was talking to brother jeff yesterday and i told him i said that's one of the reasons why i really i you know i love your show that you do i love your the cultural center that you have i love your work because you are daily reminding people that they're not alone and you're talking about things that that need to be talked about the whole message the whole voice you know and it's not like right now it is so disturbing that our two our two main stories in the media are Kanye and Kim and Pete and the Ukraine <laughs> and Russia like how is how are those two stories? Yeah. The things, I mean, the diametrically opposed kind of camps that they live in, but uh-huh. they are the ones that are literally in the in the media spotlight. Just to me, it's the United States of distraction. Oh yeah. You always. Know? Always. I you know, I and I'm so glad you said that because for a second I thought maybe it was just me when I, <laughs> you know, when I, I see people, even, even on my way to work, I see flags, I see signs, I see yard signs, I, people posting stuff on social media, you know, we, and, and you know what, I, I get it. We, we don't want countries at war. I get that. But it, it bothers me to, to see so many people that are just like, this country needs peace. And I think, what about the people of color in your own country? Yes. What about our peace? What what about us being heard? What about what about Native Americans and their land being preserved and not taken? Like how hypocritical for some people to be like, oh, the Russia shouldn't be like that. But then you're living in a country that started that way. Okay. So before you want to go save another country and save another people, why don't you look in your neighborhood and and find the people that need assistance, whether it be company or maybe somebody needs a meal, maybe somebody needs, you know, a, a conversation. Maybe there's a local school that could use a tutor. But to see people do this performance, and I feel like it is a performance. Oh, totally. Is is frustrating. It's really frustrating. Like, why can't you all be rallying every day for people of color? Why are you sending money to Ukraine when you're when you have a homeless person that you stumble over in five points? Right there, you know, gentrification. If you care yeah. so much for people, then then why? Why are you overcharging 
for real estate? And why are you overcharging for mortgages and rent? And why are you hiding behind the mask of, well, that's the market? Right. No, uh, that's no. not. That I don't buy that. Made up, you know, for, it's a completely made up thing. Completely. You get, you get to pick the price that you're going to charge somebody. Yeah. Nobody's holding a gun to your head to make you, you know, raise your rent $300. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're doing that for yourself, for your exactly. own greed. Exactly. And so that's what I think about is, you know, I see, especially in Denver, you see these empty warehouses, you see these empty buildings, you see these homes with all these for sale signs. Mm -hmm. And I think if you really cared so much about your, you know, your fellow man or woman, then why are you exploiting? Why are you taking? Why are you oppressing? people in your own country, in your own, in your own state, in your own city, in your own, on your own street. You're all so disconnected. And until we really understand that we are all connected, all of these problems are going to be, are, are going to continue to get exacerbated. We are all connected. It's all connected. Well, and it's really interesting with you saying that because um, did, did you ever see that video? It, I think it's maybe about four or five years old, but it was this this social experiment that people did. And they basically got a group of people, I think maybe 30 people possibly, um, but they got them all in a room and they had asked them, this panel had asked them, um, you know, what what nationality are you? How do you feel about this certain nationality or certain race? And it was interesting how a, a good chunk of them, you know, of course, had their biases. And so they said, you know, would you be okay to do a DNA test, you know, some sort of uh, lineage? Mm -hmm. And they all said, yeah. So the test results came back and they found out that, you know, practically everyone in the room was related to another person. And that some people even discovered that one of the um, cultures that they disliked, they were a part of. <laughs> Do, have you seen that one? I, I don't know if I've seen that one. There's so much, so many of the forces of, you know, the, the economics and the politics, all of those forces will eventually impact you. They will mm -hmm. always impact you. So I think it's just really short-sighted when people think, oh, I'm not affected. Mm -hmm. I don't have to vote. I don't have to care. Well, I think it's interesting how many people think that the only time to vote, if they vote, is every four years. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I've, I've gotten into so many conversations, borderline, you know, lectures about it's every year. Yep. It's every year. People literally don't know what each of those levels do. They don't know the job description of a city council person. They mm -hmm. don't know exactly what those people do and what they're actually voting on and what their role is in society. And, and because they don't know that, they, they're disengaged. And that's been really disastrous for us because mm -hmm. now we have people who are in office who don't actually think that they work for us. And just asking them, if you really don't like who it is that becomes a candidate every four years, then you really need to be paying attention to who you're voting for every year. 
They're the ones who are saying, yes, uh, we're going to go ahead and let Trump, you know, be a candidate. We're going to back him up. We're going to support him. They're the ones opening the door, holding the door for these people to come in. Breaking it down is important. It's important. Information and education should not be, especially about your your ability to engage in your government. That Mm -hmm. isn't just for elitists. And I think, honestly, I think that's intentional. I think it's intentional that that's not explained thoroughly, that it's not, you know, um, just dived into more, that it's really, that it's really more thoroughly explained to people so that even, even something as simple as just making sure before people graduate high school, you know, they're going to become an adult. So, Hey, this is, this is going to be part of your life journey. Or if they want to be able to support somebody, know how to support someone when, when they start working and start bringing in that money, they can decide for themselves, you know, I'm going to use my, some of my paycheck to support this candidate. So I'm glad. I'm glad that we're going to be a part of that uh, solution, a part of um, a fountain of knowledge, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I wanted to just tell you thank you for doing this, for being part of the change and not being part of the problem. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you and our community and every, we're just really lucky to have you. So thank you again, Rachel. I look forward to working together and producing some pretty powerful stuff. Sounds good. All right. All right. And that was our co-host, Rachel Lehman. Another co-host that we are going to have is a musician and he is a rocket scientist and legit rock star. Seriously. He's he's the whole package here, folks. (laughs) I'm very excited that he was on board to not only write the song for the podcast, the theme, um, but he's also agreed to be a co-host. So without any further delay, um, everyone say hello to Armando Lopez. Hi, Mona. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're, you know, out here with a similar mindset of, of looking to have an impact on what the world around us and not only remark on it and observe it, but try to think about, you know, what we can do about it. And so in that sense, you know, you have conversations about the state of the world, which is oftentimes, you know, super tragic. And it's uh, important to bring to the table and keep reminding people just through social interactions and being, you know, out in social situations that, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm hmm. I feel like when whenever we talk, whether it be online or or in person, you tend to be more optimistic. Um, and that's one of the things that I thought would be really great about having you be a part of this was because you do. Um, I'm I'm older, so I, I've tend to see a little bit more. So there's there are times that I'm just kind of like, well, that's just how it is. You know, mm. I'm kind of like jaded. But you're you're whenever I see you, you're, you seem to be in this motion of trying to find a solution, trying to find hope. Um, despite whatever statistics or data that we find, right. <laughs> uh, what are you hoping to bring to these conversations? Um, yeah, I think optimism is, is definitely um, one of my core values with how I interface with the world and world events and, and bringing that to the local stage because we are, you know, it, it escalates pretty quickly. You know, you, you go out in the world and you see this exceedingly complex system of 
you know, history and, and current events and people that seemingly can't get along age old prejudices, biases, mm -hmm. um, isms and schisms. And, and it seems, <laughs> yeah. it seems so complex and so incapable of, of affecting. And then, you know, you bring it down to the local level and you, uh, I think without too much of a stretch or too much, you don't have to strain very hard your imagination to see that the events happening at the local level, especially in a city like Denver, especially in a place where there's people from all over the place, kind of a, a, a melting pot in, here in the Midwest. We have, mm -hmm. you know, we we are living examples of these things that are happening on the world stage on, on a, at a bigger level at the national and an international level. And, and we see like just in the events that happen through the people that we know, you know, performers, entertainers, artists, um, activists, leaders, um, all these people are human too. And so they get a platform, they become public figures in their own right. We have a chance then at, at practicing things like restorative justice for real. You know, we have a chance at, at, changing the the history of of retributive you know retribution vengeance based justice that our entire legal system is based on mm -hmm. um, the entire prison system is just based on punishment you know we we have all these questions of like okay what you know the the work on imagining what different could be like and i think people who are capable of that imagination who are asking those questions you know you might feel the same way but i feel like we have some kind of like obligation or calling to, to do so if we, if we're capable, because a lot of people I feel like haven't been given the opportunity to even imagine something different. So that was the goal was to bring encouragement and bring hope by, by sharing good work that people are doing, you know, and the good work can come from art, music, legislation, science, mm -hmm. you know, you name it. For me, working in media, I got to a point where I realized I I want to be able to know when I'm all said and done that I can look at my kids and say, you know what? I did everything I could for, for to have a better place for you, you yeah. know, growing up. You're optimistic um, with a lot of the work that you do. Where, where does that come from? You know, I've I've as as a, ever since I was young, my parents kind of implanted in me this, this desire to achieve and to overcome and to just seek out, you know, these great unsolvable problems. <laughs> some, yeah. some, some people are so economically oppressed and, and depressed and crushed and that they're, they could care less. You know, they, they already, to them, the world's already ended. You know, I actually went to school, studied material science for a number of reasons, but one of those was to, you know, be part of the solution. I did, I did see some of the most brilliant people in, in, on the planet, you know, working very, very hard every day to come up with solutions for a number of things, right? Energy, pulling carbon dioxide out of the air and almost feeling like I have to be optimistic, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's actually a Facebook meme page I really like. It's called Ominous Positivity. <laughs> and and it, um, it's got memes that will say things like, um, you know, you are going to get better. You have no choice or uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, and, and it's kind of wild to think about. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of, a lot of healers, you know, feel like we're on this earth to heal, but that's, um, 
and you know we're, we're carrying generational trauma yeah and that's a big piece of conversation around justice work right this generational mm-hmm. trauma to move that healing forward is is you know to believe that everyone's capable of healing i think is its own its own kind of core optimistic outlook probably those those are the main two is um is yeah feeling like i don't want to be a nihilist i don't want to give up or i don't want to be a hedonist i don't want to live every day not not to say that doesn't sound fun but i don't want to <laughs> live every day for myself i just feel like i'm i'm you know capable of doing this healing work and and shouldering the burden that that requires when you were sharing about you know how you're you're choosing the attitude of you're still going to keep your head up. I was thinking about this. I, I wish I could remember, but there was this movie I watched. Gosh, I think it was like late eighties. It was all about a teacher that was to overlook this group of kids. I think it was a choir or a theater. The story of the play, and it actually was a musical musical was that um, this island was sinking. And so some people left and some people stayed. And for some reason, these people decided that they are going to celebrate life still. You know, like this is happening. I, I don't, if, if I'm going to die, I, you know, I don't want to die anywhere else. This is where I want to be with my people, my family on this land. It was really mm-hmm. neat because at the same time that the teacher was was trying to get these kids to understand what was happening so they could, you know, get in touch with the character. Mm the school was getting ready to close. The school district was going to shut the school down and it was high school kids. They realized that, wow, this school's going to be done after this. Like this is literally our last year here ever, you know? And it was just so emotional because they're, they're singing their last song when they're just talking about how we're going to celebrate life and we're just going to, we're going to dance and we're going to sing and we're going to play instruments and we're Mm -hmm. still going to celebrate you know, because the life we've had so far, you know, it hasn't been bad. It's been good. And they said, you know, I, I'd rather go down singing and embracing each other. Wow. And, and I thought about that when you were talking. Yeah, that's, um. yeah, I think there's a point. I think a lot of people are in, like maybe not in a position to choose how they react. Um, just because I think there's a certain level of like self-examination Mm-hmm. that has to take place before you can make a conscious choice as to how you're going to deal with with certain things but when you are in that place i do think you are allowed like a, re- a very conscious choice of like how to live your life and 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 what to do with the gifts or challenges that you're presented with i wanted to ask you i feel like every time um i turn around you're introducing some sort of instrument or some sort of technology and mm-hmm. you're just jamming out to it is there an instrument yet that you are jonesing for that you that you don't have just yet? No, I kind of went crazy this last year, especially, <laughs> um, and just got everything that I would need for this foreseeable future. Um, obviously, that that list never ends. The more you get, the more you want. Uh, I really <laughs> am interested in uh, something called a talk box for a synthesizer. It's very like oh uh, yeah eighties uh, mm-hmm. sound. Yeah. Um, what was with that big giant? Looked like the biggest saxophone I've ever seen in my life. What's yeah, <laughs> I do have a I do have a bass saxophone. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's huge. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I got that from a Facebook group, a saxophone Facebook group, and I literally just 
was opportunistic and I shouted out. I was like, hey, who has a bass axe in here? <laughs> and the guy who responded looked at, you know, he checked out Brothers of Brass and he had yeah. a he had a bass axe that had been sitting in his uh, basement for like it's the sax is from the 1910s. What? And it was uh yeah. And then learned about the history and that big saxophone, believe it or not, was actually the first saxophone that was made. Um, the first type of saxophone, I should say. Yeah. Um, because uh, when that guy invented the saxophone, he invented it to give the bass, the low reeds, some more punch because they weren't loud enough. So when you guys first started, did you already know that that's kind of the route that you guys were going to go? Um, well, yeah. When, when I first met Khalil, I had already been doing uh, marches with uh, No Enemies from the Flowbots. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were out there in 2015 after Ferguson kind of in the early days of Black Lives Matter. And mm -hmm. it was clear, you know, that I could bring a saxophone and be acoustically loud and help support, you know, support people in the streets marching. And then George Floyd happened. And that really all came together in a big way. Uh, we were a little more tempered as an ensemble, a little more matured. So we had a, you know, a better time really just playing full walls of sound that could support the movement. And we, we did stop short of you know, going out there and playing during utter chaos and, you know, rubber bullets flying and, and stuff. <laughs> um, we, we, we did, we did uh, stop short of that, but um, pretty much, yeah, every weekend um, and a lot of weeknights we were, we were out there just supporting the, the marches and rallies and, and I, you and, know, I lived in uh, Minnesota for a couple of years. And so I, yeah. I know people in Minneapolis and, and uh, this one of my friends, I forgot who it was, sent me a, a little video clip of exactly like you were saying, like you could see the gas cans being thrown, pellets. Mm -hmm. And then somebody on the side is playing like that Bumblebee song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. Like full on guy's got a saxophone and he's like hunkered down behind yeah. the shields and he's playing this song. Oh, man, there was some there was some great footage of uh, of of players in Portland outside the federal building um yeah. and there was lots of tear gas flying and they were just making music um, <laughs> that was like yeah. yeah yeah now in the age of in the age of the smartphone you're seeing a lot more moments like that captured yeah of musicians real. musicians on the front line and it's crazy to think too like in revolutionary times like they would just have musicians out there getting yeah. just shot up like for real you know, and just playing the playing the drums of war the literal drum, <laughs> the literal drums of war not the yeah that's pretty know. wild so i wanted to ask you too because i noticed that i mean you got your brothers of brass but then you also every once in a while you drop you know a video of you playing a song and mm -hmm. um during ums you just like randomly would pop up on the stage somewhere and i'm like what is going mm -hmm. on you know um so yeah sit-ins sit-ins um are <laughs> a common common yeah. occurrence in my life for sure you are a scientist and you don't even know how, you know, when I was much younger, I tried to learn how to play the piano. I tried to learn how to play the guitar and I just couldn't get it. And mm. math has always been challenging for me. And I just remember between math teachers, science teachers and music teachers, them all saying pretty much the same thing, that math is music, music, math. They go together hand in hand. And you're the first person I know that's a scientist and a musician. Like you are walking proof that they are connected. Definitely connected. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, 
So the science I do is is mostly uh, material science. I studied specifically solids and the way they form. So so crystalline materials, metals, what makes matter what it is, and energy and light and mm-hmm. all those things. It's it's really beautiful. Um, I work on uh, lithium ion battery systems, which um, are a climate technology. Um, they're going to be a big piece of getting us off oil. Different improvements in the different parts of the battery all are uh, cooperative. They all work together. They're complementary. Mm-hmm. So all these different companies working on all these different improvements, they can all go together and make the lithium ion battery uh, much, much better than anything we've seen today. So even the electric cars of today that are as good as they are will only get better and they're going to get better a lot faster uh, in the future and and getting off of fossil fuels and, and wrestling our energy economy out from these uh, sadistic dinosaurs um, is uh, they um, when I met Khalil, though, he was like, man, we could like, just try this out. You know, we can at the time I was playing with another band that was not really doing anything for me creatively and were mm-hmm. not letting me kind of be myself. And he would just he was like, hey, look, you could be the star of the show and, you know, make all this money in, you know, the, uh, only this much time. And it was just too fun. So I just ended up just taking time off school and traveling the country, playing music and um yeah, don't regret it at all. It was, it was amazing. I, well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, especially for the creative ones. Um, we always have to be evolving. There, we always have to have something new, you know, something something that we're doing that's different. Otherwise, I, I know for me, I get stagnant. I get depressed. I just get in this funk, and mm-hmm. and that's just not for me. And so, um, and and I see that. I see that with you. Like you're at least at least that's my perception is that you're yeah continuously trying and growing and oh yeah i have adhd is what it is uh-huh. <laughs> all right then i don't even know what the answer is <laughs> you make a tiktok dance for it or something <laughs> for real way more damaging in a lot of ways you know but lauren bober and marjorie taylor green can just like roll up in there and scream about adrenochrome or whatever they're doing yeah well, and, and, you know, that's a whole other conversation with Lauren mm-hmm. Bobert because she was like on it as far as accusing, you know, certain people of sexual assault and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, those of us, we go do a, a you know, a deep dive into her. And we find out that her husband <laughs> right. has the record for exposing, exposing himself, himself to youth, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and just uh, continuing to unpack this wild world. Um, and everything that makes humans what we are, a social podcast. And that was Armando Lopez. Again, we send him much love and many thanks for hooking us up with the intro theme to this podcast. Our next co-host is someone that is very well known in the Denver area. She is an award-winning individual. She does fantastic work with media, and I am super honored that she is on board for being a co-host. Everyone, bam. Friends, let's meet Summer Nettles. Hi, Mona. I'm so excited about this podcast. I'm so excited. Yes, and I think so many people have gifts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've gotten very interesting in, in writing now because you've got, like, the ta Coates level of writing, right? Like, mm. not level, but, like, that style, which is extremely um, beautiful, eloquent, depthy, and and verbally, like, uh, vocal 
the the vocabulary in a Coates piece is like what you know? <laughs> right um, you know and I think that that's very valuable in especially in terms of being a, a black writer mm. and making it very clear right. that you're no less than anyone else regardless of what they may think what they may assign you know um and then also though the style of writing required of someone who's covering news which is like can you understand this at an eighth grade level like that's mm-hmm. where we're going you know right um, and I don't know that everybody understands that so it is mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to have real life people saying real life things you know? at least with you um you created your space you know you you have your own company, the Greater Purpose Media, and um, you you do your work, you know, and and everything that you do, it, you're not leaning on an organization. It's like you're just from what I see with you, you know, you're you're creating this work, you're doing it. You're not waiting for somebody to make this space for you. You're just moving forward from what I see, you know. And I, I just I love that. You're I love that about you. Oh my gosh! Thank you. That's amazing. Like. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is hard. Um, I think um, giving yourself permission to do what your heart is telling you needs to be done. Yes. Is almost an everyday thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, the day though, it's kind of like, okay, you are the brand. So, so you <laughs> go to the gym, not right. so much because you're going to like, be spelled after this but mm-hmm. because in order to lift a camera in order to chase a story you're gonna have to like do cardio says like that's what's gonna have to happen yeah <laughs> and then you know and then also there are days like where it's with an op-ed in my mind and I have like the beginning I have the end mm-hmm. uh, it's the middle mm-hmm. yeah and so it's really giving myself permission to be vulnerable at this level because so even though it is like every time I start writing this op-ed, I want to like eat six slices of cake and like, <laughs> like oh, I just, it's going to hurt so much. To <laughs> you know, um, I still am like the yeah. vulnerability, what you show people here is going to empower them and it's going to articulate things that uh, folks in the House and the Senate do mm-hmm. not even know. Because right. unless you've experienced it, you don't even have any idea of how how crazy and how well crafted uh this system is to get people out of their homes i just want to say like do it do it because uh, (laughs) because that story needs to be told you know and and i was talking i've been talking to a few people obviously and um the whole situation with the hoa is very much like what's happening with their teachers what's happening with just various, various different other spaces where we're finding places where people of color have, you know, one way or another, whether it be through a degree, they own a house, they own a business, but we, we've done our work. We've done our work. We've stepped up. We've saved the money. We bought this. We invested whatever. And the powers that be are literally snatching it away from us. To me, Okay, I'm just going to say this, that as a person of color, it it can get me discouraged because we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and people are still 
trying to say, no, you can't, you can't come to this table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not about like, you didn't read the agreement. So you're a bad human. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then there have been narratives perpetuated as well. Right. Like, so like, I just, do you remember a couple of years ago, there was that narrative about like millennials don't want to buy houses. Yes. <laughs> what what yeah they don't want to buy houses because they want to be mobile they want to be able to move they want to you know how about they won't be able to buy a house because they literally uh, are prohibited by their student loan debt exactly thank about, you yeah right? like yes yeah like you you're asking these people and again you know and i say this all the time this we live in a shame-based capitalist society. Mm-hmm. It's not just capitalism. It's shame-based capitalism. And in order yeah. for this capitalism to thrive, it requires people to hide things that they're ashamed of. So it's very easy to get a narrative absent talking about student loan debt, mm-hmm. you know, because people are ashamed that they owe money. Yeah that they can't pay. So mm-hmm. of course they're going to come up with the next with another with another layer of reasons why they wouldn't invest in one of the greatest returns and the opportunity for returns in your life, right? Like right. It, it had nothing to do with I'm hard pressed to believe that it had anything to do with at the at the level that it was given to us, like this is pervasive amongst millennials. I really don't think so. <laughs> you know And that was Summer Nettles, one of our co-hosts for the podcast. Uh, We do have at least four more other individuals that are going to be joining us. I'm going to go ahead and do what is going to be an ongoing habit of mine, which is sharing underground local music. I, I, I seriously dig this song. It's called Disturbed Suburbia, and it is by Moonwalker.
Station. <laughs>